0: Hi, I'm Larry Castle here with Ken Brown for episode 82 of That's a Good Question. Should Christians care about Ukraine? Welcome to this episode. The news this week has been dominated by events in Eastern Europe with Russia finally doing what our country's intelligence services had predicted that they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russia invaded its neighbor Ukraine and within just three or four days appears to be poised to take over. Mm-hmm. Uh, when world events are in the news, then it's a concern for all of us right. as you know, events have the possibility of spinning out of control and involving us more directly than we already are. And as always, as Christians, we want to look at all events through the lens of our biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. So for every headline, and perhaps especially for those with many and large ramifications, we should ask what biblical principles are relevant to this event. So Mm. we'll talk today about those principles, but also about some of the backstory regarding Russia's invasion and the varied reactions to it that we're seeing in our own country especially the different responses we're seeing from conservatives, Hmm. folks on the right, which is most of us, our listeners and us. So first, what biblical principles are applicable when we see something like what's happened in the Ukraine? Yeah.
1: Well, we've talked in the past related to other events about the fact that our God is a God of order and that order is helpful to the cause of the gospel. The Apostle Paul would have been at ease with really any government since he knew what we often need to be reminded of, namely that nothing can stop the work of God in his his world. Mm -hmm. But he also knew that some were better than others, and peace and order were priorities for him that's why he instructs in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that we've cited in the past, that we pray for those who are in government, and specifically, we pray that we can live, it says, quote, quiet and peaceable lives, mm-hmm. unquote, as we carry out our mission. Now, given that was Paul's objective, namely the advance of the gospel rather than political power in Rome, or in our case in D.C., then he could be okay with a government like Rome. Because, say what you will, it provided for stability and for order that Paul used to gospel advantage. Yeah. So you see Paul using his rights as a Roman citizen to make
0: appeals regarding his arrest, for example, for preaching the gospel. And you also see him in Romans 13 saying that government is good, even when a bad person's running it, like in his case, Nero. Right. Uh, so Paul was consumed by the advance of the gospel, and so all he wanted was, really, he was interested in a government that would provide order and stability. Right. But even if we don't have that, the gospel is still going to exactly. advance, so right. we can and we should desire uh, and pray for peaceful conditions, as we're told to in 1 Timothy chapter 2. But we also need to remember that we don't require any particular form of government to carry out our work Correct. as Christians that's really you know and that kind of flies in the face of what you hear some people oh, for sure. how you hear some people talking right. about these really serious situations mm-hmm. so so let's relate that then to the ukraine situation
1: well russia's invasion of ukraine represents a challenge to world order and as we said all things being equal orders to be desired for mm-hmm. our our missions so when we see a rogue nation like Russia, an authoritarian leader like Putin, take action that upsets world order, then we should rightly be concerned. Mm -hmm. And of course, that says nothing of just the humanitarian concern we ought to have for Ukrainians who are having their country overrun, their lives threatened. Uh, I was actually moved to tears just this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching a video of a, a family in Ukraine, a large family, did you have to I, see this? No, I,
0: I don't know that I saw this one. I saw one of a father saying goodbye to his children. As oh, he I to, saw that also. Yeah, yeah, I'm
1: talking about one This very large family, representing multiple generations, infants to grandparents. They're huddled together, they're taking refuge in one of the family's homes, and they're apparently Christian. They're singing, He Will Hold Me Fast, oh. in Ukrainian. And it was beautiful, and it was sad, and it, and it was moving. And so we're concerned as Christians for the lives that have been lost and are going to be in the days ahead. But even if none were lost, somehow miraculously, we should still be concerned about the upset to the world order.
0: Yeah. You know, um, when you talk about world order, I have flashbacks to (laughs) the the days of George H.W. Bush, uh, first President Bush, Uh talking about the new world order. Right. And uh, that scared some people on the far right as they took it to mean that he was trying to spearhead the one world government, uh-huh. you know, some, some sinister plan. Right. Uh, but here we are decades later, and the obvious, you know, the, the thing that everybody was afraid right. of that seemed so obvious didn't happen, and uh, he didn't even try right. to do this. <laughs> right. So he was just expressing the same thing that we are here that world order is good right uh he he added to the the word new to it but world order
1: yeah a new world order yeah i I think that's a good place to start our stab then at setting the context of the ukraine situation because Mm. president bush made that comment in the aftermath of something that at least many of our listeners will remember and that is the uh, gulf war or operation desert storm You may recall that was the U.S. and a coalition of other nations chasing Saddam Hussein and Iraq out of Kuwait. Mm -hmm. Iraq had invaded Kuwait, and we had interests there, as did other countries, not least access to oil for our economies. And so famously, Bush said, this will not stand. Mm -hmm. And Kuwait was liberated in fairly short order. Yeah, but we don't see that
0: happening with Ukraine, Mm -hmm. right? In fact, our president, uh, President Biden, has said that
1: We will commit no troops to
0: Mm. Ukraine's soil, unlike what we did in Kuwait?
1: Yeah. Now, that's partly because with Russia, we have a nuclear power. (laughs) and In Iraq, you did not. Mm -hmm. Get this. Russia possesses the second largest arsenal of nuclear weapons in the world, second only to the U.S. But having more does not mean you win. Like, we have more. It doesn't mean you win, right, (laughs) if nuclear weapons are, are used. So extreme caution is required because Putin is ruthless. He has nuclear weapons, and like a Kim Jong-un in North Korea, for example, is possibly crazy enough to actually use them and set off World War III.
0: Yeah, so we remind the audience how uh, it is that Russia has this important and dangerous role that Mm. is, you know, we have to acknowledge this, we have to deal with this.
1: Yeah. Well, again, some of our listeners are going to remember that before what we see today of Russia, there was what was called the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And the Soviet Union, unlike present day, Russia was indeed a world power rivaling the United States for decades. So I'm going to try to quickly go back to how the Soviet Union developed and how we got to where we are with, with Russia. If you're old enough like I am to remember what was called the Cold War between the U.S. and Soviet Union... And there was the extreme hostility that we had toward one another for decades, each afraid that the other might start a nuclear war. Well, then it's hard to believe that at one time, we were allies before all of that. In World War II, uh, as we fought on the same side uh, as the Soviet Union to defeat Hitler. Mm -hmm. The United States, Britain, France, and the Soviet Union were the allied powers. And the Soviet Union played an absolutely decisive role in winning World War II during and after the war you have those pictures of conferences uh often between the uh, allied powers with joseph stalin at the table with Mm -hmm. franklin delano roosevelt and winston churchill now neither churchill nor roosevelt liked or trusted stalin but they needed him Mm -hmm. against hitler and then after world war ii the allied powers pretty much ceded to stalin most of eastern europe And those countries over time, like Poland and Czechoslovakia and Romania and many others, came under Soviet communist control. It was this development that Winston Churchill famously warned about in a speech the year after World War II ended, 1946. He gives a speech in Fulton, Missouri, at a college called Westminster College, and it was there he spoke of an Iron Curtain Mm. descending over Eastern Europe, and he warned the world that it's going to be a problem for years to come, and indeed it Is that the origin of that phrase? That's the origin of that phrase, exactly. Okay, interesting. The the Soviet Union then became a formidable military power and a nuclear power, acquiring the technology just a few years after the United States did. That started the Cold War and an arms race between the US and the Soviet Union for decades. And there was always the possibility that one might use their weapons against the other. In the US, bomb shelters, fallout shelters. Every now and then you'll still see, you know, an old building and it'll have this, you know, sign on it that says fallout shelter yeah. and it's got this it's got this symbol on it. Well, those were all over the place in the 50s and 60s and it was just saying that in case we you know, we're bombed by Russia, that or the Soviet Union, then here's a place that you can come and, mm-hmm. and hide out. Mm-hmm. And people had built bomb shelters in their backyards. Lots of people had built bomb bomb shelters, bomb drills. For mm-hmm. elementary students, were common in the 50s and 60s, and then you get into the 70s and 80s, and we had, you know, summits and we signed treaties and we still threatened each other. That's what I remember. The yeah. arms race continued, uh, so we never went directly to war with each other, thankfully. But you had all these proxy wars that went on mm-hmm. in various places. Vietnam was a proxy war mm-hmm. for the Cold War. You know, you had North Vietnam, you had South Vietnam. South Vietnam was not communist. North Vietnam. Was, was communist, and so you were trying to fight it out there, places like Angola, you know, in Africa, in Central America, in Nicaragua, and other mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. We just finished the uh, Winter
0: Olympics, and it always reminds me of the... the... Hockey victory. Oh, yeah. You know, in the 80s, men's hockey team over the Soviet Union. And uh, they made a movie, it had been called Miracle on Ice, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Am I thinking right? Yes. Uh, Because the Soviets used their their pro players and we used our amateur players back before we were using pros too. Right, right. Uh, So we rarely had success against them, but that year we did. And uh, in those Winter Olympics, there was not a country called the Soviet Union. In uh, yeah, these
1: past once, there's no Soviet Union.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, these, these games, it was Russian Olympic Committee, yeah, exactly. the ROC, right? right. Uh, so what's going on with the Soviet Union?
1: Hmm. Well, those of us in the West had hoped that it would be committed to the Soviet Union, to the dustbin of history, <laughs> once the Soviet <laughs> Union collapsed in 1991. And it turns out that this very secretive country was hiding from the world, for quite a while how desperate their internal condition was economically. Mm -hmm. All the while they were playing this very large role on the world stage. The truth is they just could not keep up with the United States in that arms race because it consumed a huge portion of their gross domestic product and it was a relatively small portion of ours. And just as an aside, that's one reason a strong economy is really important for for national security, Mm -hmm. because you can actually afford to have it. Some may remember the name Gorbachev, Mikhail Mm -hmm. Gorbachev. And he made a splash in the 80s internationally because he was trying to modernize. He was trying to open up the Soviet Union terms like glasnost and perestroika. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember that. Yes, but, I do. You know, these became Russian words that Americans became familiar I'm with. I'm
0: chuckling because I saw this week a commercial, a Pizza Hut commercial. What? With Gorbachev, yeah, representing the, you know, the economic refreshment that was happening. No, that's not recently. It's no, 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 this ago. is back then. i okay. was going to say, It was a commercial on YouTube Okay, of that was made really? back then, and I thought, is this real? Oh, wow. <laughs> it seemed like a sketch from, you know, some... <laughs> Some
1: comedy show or yeah. something. Glasnost means openness. Perestroika okay. means restructuring. So he was making the Soviet Union more open. It was, it was restructuring it, and Americans became familiar with those those terms. Ronald Reagan was our president, and he was asked whether he trusted Gorbachev. <laughs> you remember he said famously, "Trust but verify." I do remember, right? That, yeah. And then the collapse of the Soviet Union happens, and it happens swiftly in mm-hmm. in very short order it's communist partner nations like romania like east germany i mean we know germany now as a unified germany but it was west germany and it was east germany That's and you, remember, yeah. berlin itself was divided and you had the berlin the wall, wall right yeah. that that came down and i you know we watched that on i think i was CNN the year i graduated TV yeah we were watching this happen it was amazing so in effect the wicked witch is dead you know it was kind mm-hmm. of the idea i can still remember that the warsaw pact alliance all I'll mention what the Warsaw Pact is in a bit, but it had crumbled, and and we had won the Cold War.
0: Yeah, but then you know you wonder what it what happened with all those nuclear weapons, mm. and how has the thirty years since produced the Russia that we see today, and this leading you know leading up to this invasion of Ukraine.
1: I remember then many in the U.S. being concerned about securing that nuclear arsenal, mm-hmm. and indeed our Congress took some steps to keep those weapons from going into rogue hands, but given that Russia remains the second largest possessor of weapons, even though their economy, now get this, is half that of the state of California. Wow. That, yes. <laughs> they still have power. They have power mm-hmm. in large part because, because of that. And they still have a veto on the UN security Council, Hmm. because they had it back when they were the Soviet Union, and that somehow spilled over to even with the Soviet Union gone. So what Reagan had rightly called, I think, an evil empire that had aligned itself with, by coercion and by intimidation and sometimes invasion, other Eastern European nations in what was called the the Warsaw Pact, Mm -hmm. Uh, it then was no was no more. the Warsaw Pact was this alignment of nations with the Soviet Union, lots of them. So then after uh, Gorbachev, uh, and after it falls, the Soviet Union falls, and a lot of these Warsaw Pact nations fall in rapid succession, the next leader is Boris Yeltsin. Yeltsin's the leader for just a handful of years, and he handpicks his successor, and his successor is a guy named Vladimir Putin, Mm -hmm. who was a KGB agent. The KGB is the secretive agency in the Soviet Union, the mm-hmm. spy agency in the Soviet Union, and that's that's Putin's background. Meanwhile, our counterpart to the Warsaw Pact remains strong, NATO, the North Atlantic mm-hmm. Treaty Organization, and there's an article in the NATO charter, Article 5, that says an attack on one is an attack on all. Hmm. If you attack one of these NATO nations, then you're going to be attacked by the rest of the NATO nations. That nation will be de- be defended.
0: Okay, so so part of what motivates Putin with Ukraine is to keep them out of NATO. That's exactly it. Okay. Yeah,
1: but though we've committed to remain out of Ukraine, and they're not covered by that Article Five promise because they're not in in NATO. Mm-hmm if as a lot of people suspect you know russia is going to engage in cyber warfare well it's not it, you can't put it's hard to put geographical boundaries around cyber warfare mm. so that can very easily now the cyber warfare can affect other nato nations that mm-hmm. are that border ukraine
0: yeah.
1: article 5 so that's how when you said earlier you know these things can spin out of control in ways yeah. you didn't think yeah. that's one way that it can spin out of out of control so, what Russia has going for it now is it has oil and it has nuclear weapons
0: mm.
1: and it has wild ambitions mm. from a guy like a guy like Putin. Now, meanwhile, here's the strangest piece for me of all of this, though. It's the inroads that Russia has made with the American conservative mm. movement. Mm-hmm. It is my- it's really it strange. Is, it's somewhat it's mysterious to me. I'm gonna mention though. At least one reason why I know that American conservatives have this high view of Putin and of Russia, which would have shocked Ronald Reagan and mm-hmm. would have shocked, right? Mm-hmm. But like the National Rifle Association yeah. has has had this association with Russia over the last few years. I mean, who would have, who would have thought? And here's one of the reasons that conservatives uh, have this liking toward Putin. You remember years ago, we had a a brother in our church whose job uh, sent him to Moscow for about three years, Um, Mm -hmm. and I spoke with him every week while he was in Moscow. Okay. He and his family attended a Baptist church in Moscow. Unlike what we heard when we were younger about you know the Soviet Union and godless communism right. and you had to go underground, this thing wasn't the whole
0: The uh, whole printing movie. Right? Yeah, there was a movie about that. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: right. So how you had to smuggle you know Christian literature in, yeah. print Bibles and that you know that kind of thing, right? And that was all true at one time, but this I was shocked. Uh, these guys were just out in the open. They have this, this Baptist church there in Moscow. But not only that, he told me something else. He told me that. In the sun, this was just you know, seven, eight years ago, that there was a real, uh, not only dislike, a hatred, really, on the part of the everyday Russian citizen toward people who were homosexual. Hmm. And so much so that people are accosted on the street. They're outed. they're I mean, and, and it's from Putin on down. Hmm and you got a similar kind of thing this is one of the reasons you got a guy like a Tucker Carlson you know on Fox News making trips to Hungary to Budapest to extol the virtues of Hungary under a guy named Viktor Orbán it's it's the same kind of same kind of deal mm-hmm. in fact Orbán is so taken he's a member of NATO Hungary is but they just in the last week signed a, an oil deal with Putin mm-hmm. to help strengthen them during during this time so Carlson praises Putin, Trump praises, I mean, talk about praising, yikes, right? Hmm. Alyssa uh, Slotkin, uh, no, not Alyssa Slotkin, um, the gal from New York. What's, uh, what's her name, the gal from New York? I can't remember. She's the third now Republican in charge in the House. Okay. And uh, starts with an E. Um, it's Elise Stefanik. That's okay. her name. Okay. Yeah. Now, Alyssa Slotkin is a, is a Democrat congresswoman from Michigan. But at least Stefanic, you got York. me on both counts. Okay, <laughs> but she's the third. She took Liz Cheney's spot when they got okay. rid of Liz Cheney from leadership. She took her spot. She's praising Putin. So you have these Western European countries that live in, in freedom, mm-hmm. but when it's freedom without guardrails, then it can become very decadent. And so what happens with a lot of kind of Mm. Christian nationalist people, and I'll be writing my blog this week on Christian nationalism, which, just as a hint, we're not.
0: (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But people who are, who think that what we're supposed to be trying to do is establish a Christian nation, they look at somebody like a Putin,
0: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: and they're saying, hey, you're making Christianity great again. Yeah, that that is...
0: Case in point of why it's important not to get our mission mixed up. There. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that I, is a large part. I can't say that I can explain every reason why the mm. conservative movement is so enamored with Putin when we were in the Cold War with the Soviet Union for all those years. And a guys, KGB. KGB, you know, I mean, Candace Owen, anybody know that name? Anybody mm-hmm. out there know mm-hmm. who Candace Owen is? Okay. She's a darling of the, the conservative movement, not a darling of mine, but of the the far right movement. So she extols, you know, Putin, and she's going hmm. on about why do we care about Ukraine and, you know, let in effect, let Putin have it. She just tweeted yesterday, you know, he said he was going to go in as a peacekeeper. Hmm. And now it doesn't look like he's doing that. Maybe he lied to us. Oh, really? <laughs> really, what a surprise that Putin would lie. Why could anybody be surprised at that, right? Yeah. Putin wanted Trump to get elected. There's no doubt about that. They, they tried to help him get elected in, in 16. He was elected. How much their help? Uh, affected that I, I can't say, but it is a fact that they wanted that to happen. In fact, in the 2020 election, Putin just publicly said, "I endorse Trump. I want Trump to, to win." <laughs> Trump weakened NATO. Uh, he invited Putin to join the G7 because they had been kicked out of the G7. You know, that the, was a G8. That was the. Uh, you know, the eight most influential, usually economically, countries. They had been kicked out because they had uh, invaded in 2013. They had taken Crimea, which mm-hmm. is a small mm-hmm. part of, of Ukraine. So they got kicked out. But here's Trump saying, hey, we should let them let them back in. He's saying that Trump is, Putin's a genius for saying, hey, this is the way we're going to do this. We're going to say these sections of Ukraine are independent, and we're going to go in as peacekeepers. And as I said, Candace mm-hmm. Owen. Candace Owens says maybe he lied about that. So I think a big part of this is that you've got people who are misguided on the right about what our mission is. Mm -hmm. That we want to create a, a nation that lives in accordance with the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, one day when Jesus comes back, that'll that'll happen. But living in a fallen world, that isn't where we live, and that's not what we're called to create.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you think by political power that's what we're supposed to do, then you will be drawn to authoritarian leaders.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a serious misunderstanding of how the change, <laughs> the Bible says, will happen through Christianity. <laughs> happens, yeah.
1: And and these authoritarian leaders who you think can make it happen, and making it happen is these visible signs. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have in Hungary, like you like you have in. In russia so i think that's a big part of it it would be really great if analogies to hitler could be outlawed you know because, <laughs> because they're so overused yeah right and there's actually usually, a name for that and isn't there's there? like and there's like nothing quite analogous to, to hitler and lord willing there won't be and you know until the end the bible does talk about a, a figure that will come called the antichrist and mm-hmm. he will he will he will pursue a holocaust of his own but between you know now and then, Lord willing, there'll never be another thing like like that. But there, you know, the Hitler analogies are are overdone. So, having said that, I'm going to make one. <laughs> between there is this parallel between Hitler and Putin, and it's this: both of them are motivated by humiliation mm. after mm-hmm. after a war. In World War One, Germany was absolutely humiliated. Treaty of Versailles, all of that. Hitler was part of that. He saw that. He saw the once great Germany humbled. And he determined he was going to bring it back to its former glory. Mm -hmm. And that was the Third Reich. That's what they were were doing. And you got Putin with the exact same thing. He saw the Soviet Union lose the Cold War and be humiliated. And he is determined to bring it back. The difficulty now is if, if the world allows that to happen, if they allow him to... Take over Ukraine. There are other countries watching about places they'd like to take over, not least China, who is always toying with the idea of taking Taiwan, Mm -hmm. who we have pledged to defend. So a lot going on there, a lot of backstory to that. We should care about it for a few reasons to wrap up. One, first of all, people are dying. We should always care about that and innocent people are dying. And so we should pray for the people of, of Ukraine and pray mm-hmm. for these Russian soldiers, many of whom don't want to be fighting this war even. he's Putin's getting some pushback on that. But we should also pray about these larger designs that Putin has to try to recreate the, the old Soviet Union and its glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, many predict, and personally, I would say it's probably correct, he's not going to stop. If he gets Ukraine, he will the Hitler analogy, again, if he gets to Sudetenland, you know, he'll mm. go and take, mm-hmm. uh, take another—he'll another, go into France. He'll go into someplace else. So we should be concerned about life lost, and we should be concerned about the larger geopolitical loss of order in the world that this mm. portends.
0: Yeah. And as we said in many previous episodes, we don't go over this. We don't rehearse this to make people afraid. Oh, no. We just we want to recognize the seriousness of it <clears throat> as you talk with friends, neighbors— you know, the reasons we as Christians care about it, the bigger, bigger there's the immediate reasons and then the bigger reasons yes, exactly. for our mission. So hope this is helpful to you as it was to me. I'm not always up to fully up to speed on all the, especially the history <laughs> leading up to this. So I appreciate that. And uh, we try to come out with new episodes each week on Saturdays at two. And I invite you, if you haven't already, subscribe to our channel, hit the notification bell. So you know when new episodes come out and we'll look forward to seeing you in the next one. If you have a question you'd like us to consider, you can send that into our email address, info at or text it to us at 9700.